and welcome to episode 138 of the Talking Talkie podcast. I am joined tonight by Chris Ballard. Hello, Chris. Hello. And Tom Vosper. Hello, Tom. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you both doing? I am good. It's been a busy week. I've been traveling for work. Um, I went to Boston, the one that's not in Lincolnshire. So that was an interesting couple of days. But now I'm back in my basement with three cats but with very fast wi-fi as you've just but with very about. very fast internet as we were discussing yeah. show, so fully expected to go and die on me now <laughs> <laughs> nice nice I, I can't believe it we won and you'd rather tell us about how you've been doing work things all week like come on ballard this yeah is, this but it's also thursday it feels like forever ago now <laughs> <laughs> and as you look to I get to Thursday and I stop thinking about the previous game on about a Wednesday or something it's not a Tuesday game. And I get to Thursday and I'm thinking about the next game and I'm not looking forward to it. So <laughs> Wow. Should we should we talk about something nicer first? Should we yes. do it the wrong way around? Start with the good and finish on the bad. <laughs> so on Saturday, uh we went to Haven and Waterlooville and we secured a win, uh, which I appreciate is perhaps paving over the cracks of the wider issues we have going on at the club. But what uh, what do you think? How do you feel? Well, I I was fortunate enough to go to the game. Um, I've never been to Haven't before. Um, and I'll be honest, with my, uh, I was not particularly optimistic. I think I was, I was, ho- I was probably hoping for a, a draw and maybe scraping a draw. And after, at half-time, I thought, even a draw sounds feels a bit ambitious. Um, we were quite poor in the first half. Uh, we never really got going, and haven't Waterloo had certainly had, uh, I'd say two, two or three really good chances. Um, just before the game, having a look at the team sheet and saw that they had Ryan, I think it's Seager, I think I say you pronounce it up front, scored a lot of goals and moved to Dorking, scored a lot there. I thought he was he was bound to score, and he just didn't have his shooting boots. With him on Saturday, he was um, very rusty, and Love it made a few really good saves. Um, and on the break, we just didn't really look like we had anything. We looked very slow and stodgy, and it just half time came around, and the weather was just a bit overcast, and it was just everyone kind of looking at each other, thinking, "Why? Why have we come out for this?" I mean, it's only nil nil. It's not the end of the world, but it just felt flat. Um, and obviously, Johnson. Felt exactly the same. I think he must have given them quite a rollicking at half time because they came out five minutes before uh, the Haven players came out. Um, and there was a bit of confusion with the goalkeeper. Love it came out, um, who during the first half kind of went down, looked like he was injured, but played on, made a, still made a good save after his injury, but was saying that he couldn't couldn't really see. So, uh, being a goalkeeper, I think that's quite a crucial thing. So he came off. And replaced by I'm not going to try and pronounce his surname, but our third choice goalkeeper who came on. Um, and I'll be honest, I had my doubts when he was warming up in front of us. He didn't look massive. Uh, he, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but we played Barnsley away a long time ago in League One. We had a very small, I think he was Scottish goalkeeper. We lost four nil, and he was giving me the same kind of vibe. Chris can probably remember the name, but we'll come back to that. Yeah, it's before um, me, I'm afraid. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so he came out and made a couple of good saves as well. And all this time we were 
slowly getting back into it and we were much better in the second half and we certainly took our chances and it was great to see Williams get his first goal. He had he had a very good game, certainly a very good second half, along with Brad Ash, who I'd say was our best player on the day. He just kept going and kept going and kept going. And the relief on his face when he scored his his first goal in a long time, it was it was brilliant to see. He looked so he just looked so happy. And the ninety fourth minute, it was wrapped everything up, two 0 win. And overall it was a good away day. You can't hope for that much better, I guess. Um it was a stark contrast to the feelings from half time. Um and I it wasn't just uh, Williams and Ash that played really well. I thought very impressed by Archer. He he was described by um Johnson, I think, as a Kalalas type player. And he certainly has that sort of um aspect to his game where he looks on the ball, he's very good, very good at his dribbling, and you never really know what he's gonna do. And I think that's something that we've really sort of missed going forward. We haven't been particularly dynamic in the way we go. It's very much I think I made this point on the last the last podcast is that we don't really know what we are as a mm. as a football side, do we? We we seem like we're very direct, but often that doesn't particularly work. And I think Archer knitted the midfield to the to the forward line very nicely. He certainly had a very good time in the second half as the the space really started to appear in the haven defence. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him play more. And I know we've signed him recently and I think he's going to be a very good player for us. And I think it's exactly what we what we needed. And along with him, with Williams and Ash, and if Jarvis comes back into that, that's a, I'm very happy with that as a sort of front four. Um, and of course, we've got to mention again, the goalkeeper who saved, saved the penalty. Um, I think I can't remember. It was down the other end from where I stood, but I'm not sure if it was maybe Collins who gave it away. I'm not. Yeah, it was, not 100% sure. it was Collins, was it? Yeah, okay. It was fairly and... US. Was it okay? Yeah. It just looked very clumsy. From you see him given, but it's like, yeah, was it okay? Yeah, um, and I know you've got a real bee in your bonnet about how Halstead def- uh, tries to save save penalties, Chris. I will um... be mentioning that in a moment, yes. <laughs> yeah. And he seemed to, our new guy seemed to have a similar technique, except he managed to not dive too far and still blocked it so overall very poor first half very good second half overall good day onto onto Yeovil in the cup but I don't know what everyone else thought about about the highlights and things like that did did we look that dominant in that as well um well I mean before I saw the highlights I saw the interview with the Haven and Waterlooville manager oh yeah I think they should have been six nil up at half time and I was like, yeah, I don't know I mean, if, I, if I believe that. But this season, we haven't put together 90 minutes, really. No, absolutely. We've had a half, maybe at a time. In some games, we've had 10 minutes. <laughs> um, I mean, the Oval game in the league the other the other week, we were good for the first five minutes, and then the Oval got the ball, and we were in trouble immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think you can really ask much more than going away from home on a surface that you never seem to do very well on and win. Um, we looked like we were our luck for a while. Um, Love it did make a few good saves. Um, I'm going to call the goalkeeper Philip because I think that's his first name, or Philippe. Um, <laughs> glad he said the penalty. Uh, I mean, I again, I, I I've had arguments with people in the in the podcast chat and on the internet about goalkeepers who 
guess which way to go and then the ball goes right down the middle. I'm very much of the uh, opinion that in this division, certainly, make the guy beat you. If he puts it in the top corner, doesn't matter whether you dive that way or not, you're not getting it. So you kind of like, that's going to go in. But most of the penalties in this division seem to be three or four yards either side of the middle. <laughs> and I think a goalkeeper who doesn't jump or dive as early as Holstead certainly does generally has a chance. Um, Philip was quite lucky, it seemed like, because he did dive to his right um, and he saved it with, looked like his, his knees, basically. Um, so I don't know what he was thinking there. I mean, I, I guess we can congratulate him on, on having the wherewithal to lift his leg up to save it. Um, Holstead's <laughs> only save that I can remember was against Wrexham at the last, last game of the season last year. Mm. where he didn't dive out of the way and saved it. So I'm sorry, Mr. Druiff. This is where this is where <laughs> we disagree on, on so much. Um, and then the goals we scored were both very good. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we've been crying for all season. We haven't really seen that many decent crosses. Um, you know, we, we have Collins and Stubbs, who are ostensibly good wingers who can get the ball in. And they haven't done it. You know, Ash, who from the highlights and the comments I've seen afterwards, did have a very good game. Um, putting a lovely cross back post. Williams hit it with what I would think was his wrong foot. You know, he hit it with the yeah, right it was foot weird, wasn't coming it? across him. Um, yeah, it but it weird. went in, so I'm prepared to let him pass. But if he'd missed it, I would, again, find another hill to die on on the internet and say that <laughs> you should never um, hit it with that. Um, so I, I think it's good that we're getting the ball in. I do wonder if we'll keep doing that if Jarvis, when Jarvis comes back. Um, I think this season we've kind of punted it long rather than looking for the ball into the channel so we can whip it in for him. Um, yeah. And it's probably worth mentioning Stobbs because he did cross the ball for the second goal for Ash. Um, he has been underwhelming this season. When he signed for us in preseason, I was very pleased. I thought he had a very good end of last season. And he just hasn't done it. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know whether it's he's having an issue with management or with the style of play. I, I don't know, but we know he can be better than he has shown. So I'm glad that he was able to assist in some way. And I, I'm on a purely human level. I'm so glad that Ash has finally got a goal again because all of the, the footage I've seen on the couple of occasions I've been able to watch it live and listen to it on the radio. He's always seemed to be a willing worker. He just hasn't scored the goal for whatever reason. Um, I think, Last season, he had a very good year. I think he's a confidence player. And if you don't have the confidence, it's, it's you know, you're running in quicksand. So I'm hoping that he can he can kick on from there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Nice interesting, the, interesting the point on Stubbs, isn't it? Because I was I was the exact same as you. I thought once we had re-signed him, I thought he was going to be a brilliant asset. And I'm not sure if he's, because he's kind of being played a bit out of position, but in the... In the first half, when he was right wing back, we, that was sort of where I was stood, and he he didn't look particularly interested. I'm not a body uh, what's the word body, body language, language expert, yeah, body language expert. Um, but he just looked quite flat, and he doesn't doesn't really talk to anyone on the pitch. He looked just a bit miserable and a bit lost. So, I'd, and he you you can kind of see that in the way he plays because I always thought like a winger, you should either be. A, really good at crossing like I think we always say this like a Carlisle or you're somebody who can beat a man and the crossing doesn't seem up to it and he certainly can't beat a man and their left back 
did have a very good game or certainly a very good first half in keeping him quiet, but it wasn't difficult to do it. It's not like he was really putting any sort of pressure on him. Um, and it's kind of the same as Collins, but he's been, he was pretty non-existent in the game. He's been pretty non-existent this season. He still hasn't scored, has he? I don't think. Um, but they're two players who are kind of being played out of position. And I know I just said about having that front four. I think if you're going to play that front four, Stobbs and Collins won't get in unless you're going to play one of them at fullback or at centre mid, which isn't going to happen. Um, but I think overall, as overall, I think defensively we look kind of solid. I mean, Love had to make a lot of saves, didn't he? But again, Tomlinson, I think I'm getting quite impressed with him. I think he seems like a pretty... Um, pretty solid centre-half and still extremely young, isn't he? I think he'll be one that if we can keep he on. Does, get good. He does seem to be really progressing. Of all of them this season, yeah. he seems to be kind of very consistent in that progress. And he does seem to be, I think probably of all of them, the one who's progressed most, maybe. It's difficult. Mm. They've been so inconsistent. It does seem as though he's been improving quite a lot and it kind of speaks a little bit to Johnson's management of younger players because often they'll get shipped out on loan to to nowhere and then we'll never see them again. You wonder if they had been given a chance, even six, seven games. Um, I don't know whether there is pressure on Johnson. I mean, that's a discussion for a different podcast probably, but um, I would have liked to have seen him give some of those younger players a chance. I mean, he gave Olaf Koshelov a chance and that didn't work out, but I, I Plenty think, of chance. yeah, exactly. And, and if they're <laughs> not good enough, they'll get found out. But if they are good enough and you don't give them a chance, how are you ever going to know? Um, mm. I, I do worry about our injuries and I know there's, there's a suggestion that it's the training is too strong and we get people injured, but a lot of the injuries we get are sustained during the games. Um, you know, Halstead was one. Um, now we've had, we've got Reese Lovett getting hurt. We had Tom Lapsley, I think, did a hamstring in the game after having his leg gashed in training. Which, when I read that news report, that was oh. upsetting. Um, and we keep saying, once we get our people back, we're going to be, and we probably will be a pretty good side once we get those players back and and going again. It was nice to see Hall play for you know more than twenty minutes again. Um, but I think we've seen that I think we saw the winners of this division a couple of weeks ago um, and they beat us pretty handily so we're playing for second at this point and I know that off the field concerns are pretty significant right now but very few of us have any control over that all we can do is support the team and try and be positive and go from there you know I, I don't think things get better while we're in this division um, yeah, if we find ourselves in the National League again next season, I think things will look up and we'll feel feel a little bit more optimistic, and perhaps the people in charge of the club will feel a little bit more, little bit more inclined to be more helpful. Remains to be seen, of course. <laughs> you can live in hope, right? That's once you've lost hope, that's it. So hold on. To Even it. the word hopeless <laughs> has hope in it. <laughs> Um, speaking of our new goalkeeper uh, or third goalkeeper, um, I take it 
you will have seen uh, the tweet that's done the rounds. Um, I think he's, to, to coin Sam Drift's favourite phrase, I think he's well on his way to becoming a cult hero. Um, the story of, you know, a number of years ago, I think it was years, hopefully not months, I, I can't remember, it was a while since I last read it, but um, having been homeless until very recently and um, is now, like, I assume taking every day as it comes and, and being really sort of thrilled to be about the place. He'd put up the tweet. He'd been um, with Sutton to Wembley, um, but was yeah, home right. shortly before, which is incredible. Um, and obviously Abhorrent sorted out Rishi Sunak et al. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think it's something worth mentioning because, um, well, incredible. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, we as a fan of a lower and lower division club, you, you're you aware that these players aren't earning enough to retire. I mean, Ace Hall is playing and he's 97 now, so clearly he hasn't scored enough away to swan off to Dubai. Um, I think it does put into sharp relief the fact that this is a livelihood for every single one of these players. And I do get a little bit upset and angry when people say they're not trying. Um Every I have I I've, I've seen very few people playing for Talking United who I don't think are trying. I've seen plenty I think are crap, and you can't fix being crap. Um, but I, I I've never had I've never felt that these you know the players aren't trying. Um, you know that, that there's a a big gap between application and ability sometimes. Um, but as long as you have the application, I think you you should be able to find some way of supporting them. Um, and I think it's to his credit that he's, you know, continuing his career. I think he'll get a few more games with us because God knows how long Halstead and and Lovett are going to be out. I don't know if he's able to play in the game on Saturday. Um, I don't know if he played in a previous round. I think uh, I forgot his name already, but the new winger who Tom was saying was quite good on Saturday. Oh. I think he's cup tied, so I don't think he'll 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 play for us. Um, but yeah, I, I bad news. Stop it. I'm just giving you news. It's not bad. I, I don't decide whether it's good or bad news. It's I would love to to deliver Tom Vosper has won a hundred million pounds on the Euro millions. He's bought the club. But so yeah, far, he hasn't fucking done it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's um... tomorrow's, tomorrow's thing, isn't it? That's the Euro millions tomorrow. So we'll have to I'll have to make sure I get my lucky numbers out. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, you've potentially provided us quite a nice segue to looking ahead for next week, Ballard. You're doing me out of a job. How dare you? Um, <laughs> um, so uh, we have, uh, on Saturday, we have a cup game against Yeovil. Um, what, how are we feeling? Positive, optimistic, hopeful, negative? Uh, I expect us to get beaten and I do not care. Um. <laughs> I would prefer it wasn't an, a humiliation of, you know, six, seven nil proportions because I think Playmore would be quite an unpleasant place. When it can be anyway, you know, when things aren't going badly, it can be, I mean, let's not get carried away. It's not, you know, Galatasaray, but it can be a little bit nasty at times. Um, and I think no one is going to that game expecting us to get a result given our injury concerns. I see that Yeovil got an injured player last week and they replaced him already. I mean, that would be a thing that would be nice to do occasionally. Um, clearly, our focus isn't going to be on the trophy this season. It's like 
the Europe, you know, Europa Conference League, despite what Drew would have you believe. No one cares about it until they accidentally find themselves in the semi-finals. Um, so I just want it to be a decent performance. Um, I would say give the out, you know, give the fringe players a go, but they're playing and they're starting eleven right now. The fringe players simply because we have no fit senior professionals. It seems. Um, if possible, give Moxie a day off. <laughs> go and get some WD forty on those joints, and you know, come back <laughs> next week. Um, same with Hall, really. Although it might be a good thing for him to play as he continues his rehabilitation into the team. Um, I don't know if Williams will play, so I don't know if Dolan's fit or if he can play. So, um, that was a lot of words to say. Yeah, don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Well, I think Dolan was on the bench, wasn't he, against Havant? Um, well, was that a Johnston bench player where he need, he's like, oh, shit, I need to put five guys on the bench. Let's put a body on there. Well, apparently he... Was it against Yeovil where he went off after about 15 minutes? And apparently yeah, he, he had the shits, good. didn't he? Yeah. And uh, it, I think the impression was that he had told Johnson that he was going to be fine, and it turns out he wasn't. So if, it, if that was the case and he was still out for... Saturday, I would assume he'd be coming back in for the FA Trophy game. Um, but no, I don't have much hope either. Uh, McGavin was suspended for Saturday, so he'll be back. So he'll come in probably to partner Hanson, you'd have thought, unless um, unless it's going to be Hall and McGavin. I just can't believe we're stuck with the McGavin and Hanson, to be honest. If you'd but... said in February of last season that our starting midfield would be Hanson and McGavin... You'd have been laughed out of Plainmore. I mean, if you'd then uh, said we got relegated, by the way, we'd have been like, "Oh, we didn't release them." No, 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 because they're both under contract. <laughs> um, I mean, um, I thought Hanson was—he looked poor in the highlights again the other day. Um, yeah, he's, he got his—he got his act together again. One of the player, another one, another one of the players who got their act together in the second half. I think he started off again very poorly first half. First. 10, 15 minutes of the second half wasn't great. And then I think the fitness starts to tell. And he just had a, that extra extra time to take an extra touch on the ball. And then his passing was fine after that. I think just when, when he's pressurised, he seems to panic a lot. Bit, bit like McGavin. I think both of them are not the fastest movers, are they? they they're quite upright and slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... If we can bring Dolan in to come in centre midfield alongside maybe Hall and then having McGavin and Hansen on the bench. Um do you th- were you saying that you think that Archer won't be available? Because I think I, I think I read somewhere that he played in a previous round. Okay. Where, wasn't he at um he was at what like a seventh or eighth tier team? Yeah. I think he played in the trophy for them. I think. Right, okay. Um I mean it was on the internet, so who knows if it's real, right? But <laughs> Um, I would be surprised if he plays. Uh, which, again, I mean, if he had a good debut, you want him to do well in the league. I'm glad that you seem to think he had a good start. Um, mm. I was livid the week before against you, but we didn't get brought on. Um, yeah, it's a, I think he must have been saving him for... Yeah, oh, we're two goals down. We're chasing the game. Who are we going to bring on? Oh, yes, of course, it's going to be Hanson, I think it was. <laughs> Um, to bring it back to to Yeovil, I think yeah, Silver, sorry, not confident at all either. No. Um, in previous years, we always have the conversation, don't we? 
about the FA Trophy. Should we try? Should we not? And normally, I think we should just win every game that we can and just hope we can go from there, which is quite a good outlook, I think. Pretty positive. Um, this time around, I think we should just... If we could just skip it, that'd be great. If we were playing somebody a couple of leagues below and sort of as an opportunity to get another win under the belt, potentially playing a stronger side, I could understand. But playing playing Yeovil, who are going to be absolutely flying, we've seen what they can do. That that a weakened team for them isn't going to be particularly weak, is it, in comparison to what we've got? They've got five strikers. I, I just wish <laughs> just I wish it wasn't wasn't coming around. That's all. Yeah. Um, what are the consequences if we just don't show up? <laughs> own, we like concede the Devon Bowl, right? We we just didn't play in the Devon Bowl this year because we were. What happens if we say, "Yeah, don't fancy it"? Yeah, because we're already at the barest of bare bones. You know, we've had to bring in an emergency goalkeeper who is now playing. Um, mm. there's no possible upside to it, and you probably don't want to play another game either because they're on a 14 game winning streak. They're probably like, you know what? Let's avoid this. Get to the next round concentrate on our goals which are you know probably 20 points ahead of ours yeah it's a it's a conversation i was having sort of offline not the um what happens if we don't play it i don't know the answer but um that that this trophy game is especially being against yeovil is is very much at the wrong time um obviously it's despondent um the the sort of setup of talking at the moment and everything that's going on but even in spite of that um we're seventh in the table and I know obviously your trophy doesn't count but we're not we're not <laughs> it feels like one of those times where you don't want to lose momentum and I know that like winning one game and all the rest of it is not to say that um you know you're putting a, a running streak together or anything like that but it's just at the wrong time. Getting potentially hammered by Yeovil is not what this team needs right now with like where they are in the table, with everything else that's going on, with a run-up to, well, a continuation of an incredibly busy month where I th- we were due to be Saturday, Tuesday, every week this month, weren't we? And we only weren't because of the Weymouth game getting moved. Yeah, for their, so, for their local cup game, wasn't it? Yeah, about to be in a run of really quite a lot of football to fit into not a lot of time. And mentally speaking, a potential hammering from Yeovil is not... It's not what anyone wants, but it's definitely not what anyone needs. Um, oh. So, yeah, I think I'd probably be in favour of skipping it if we could. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go and win 4-0 now. Yeah, right. We've jinxed it, but in favour. Yeah. There we go. We'll take all that glory. And if um, if it goes wrong, then, well, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have anything else to add specifically to the Yeovil game? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, fair enough that's that's fair enough um is it worth doing a mini preview of taunton we are playing taunton on tuesday and i don't think we will record between now and then yes yeah we we should do that we're gonna win yay 
<laughs> we're all wearing party hats listeners we've got those little <laughs> things ready to go they're doing quite well aren't they Tom? um mm. they... 15. 15 not as good as us but they're only four points behind us yeah it's it, i mean outside of of yeovil it feels like everyone else is pretty middling I mean, the fact that we're only, what, four, I think, points off of of second is incredible, given how bad we've been at points this season. So We've lost seven games out of 17. We're still four points off second. That's just... Um, You know, I think Yeovil could end up winning this division by 20 points. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you know, well, they're, like I say, 15th. And they've lost three games out of five, according to the form table, and they've drawn the other two. So, really... We should be getting a result, shouldn't we? Um, yes, absolutely. I yeah. think when coming into the certainly coming in at the start of the season, we'd be seeing this as a easy three pointer, and now it's still is. It should be an easy three pointer, shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, ooh, and streaming fans, I'll be able to watch this game. <laughs> who had I don't know what minute we're on, but who had whatever minute. <laughs> The minute we were, I was talking about stream was actually about minus seven, two about minus. I know, three. but nobody else knows that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean uh, we should we should win. Um, you would hope that we'll get at least one of the goalkeepers back from injury for that game. Hmm. Uh, although you know, if Philip Chalupnizak is that his name? Yeah, Philip, that's kind of. Yeah, I mean, if he's still there, I would feel okay about it, except that he'll probably get a concussion after 27 minutes and we'll have to put Asa Hall in goal or something. Um, I don't <laughs> Just think... looking. Sorry? Oh. Jarvis is still going to be out till about Christmas, I think, is the last we heard. Um, Lapsy has a hamstring issue, so, you know, he could start, but probably won't finish. Or, you know, I don't expect to see him back for this game. Um I think Williams and Ash up front is a potent combination if we can get the right balls into them. That's been what we've said all season and we haven't been able to do it very much. Um, and then McGavin. Is McGavin our top scorer this season? No, it's got to be Jarvis, isn't it? Because is uh, I feel like certainly the games that we lose, the constellation goal comes from McGavin. Yeah, he must have four or five, mustn't he, so far? Yeah. Um, I feel like Jarvis is on six, is he? Uh, we, oh, he got a hat-trick in the game, didn't he? Hmm. He got a hat-trick in the uh, 5-0 game that we played. Ash has got five as well, I think. Oh. This is not exactly the brilliant analysis I was hoping to give to our... <laughs> about this Taunton game. Um, but yeah, well, we're going to go there and we're hopefully going to win. Yay! What I can tell you about Taunton is they've got a couple of ex-talky players. Got Dan Lavicum in goal. Because oh. I think everyone's kind of thought we were going to get back in the summer, but obviously we didn't go in for him. He's gone to Taunton. And I know Drew has had quite a few mentions on the podcast, but they've also got Lloyd James at central midfield. And I don't know if anyone remembers him, but he played a handful of games for us a few seasons ago. And on his debut game, he played so well that Drew have said, in proper Rio Ferdinand fashion, whatever it is, just whatever number he wants, just make, just give him what he wants he thought he was going to be all, the answer to all our prayers at central midfield and then just didn't happen for him. So I never actually saw him play, but a few talkie fans must have done. So they'll be lucky to see him again. And I'm sure Drew is excited to see him play, come back to playing more. We are at home, aren't we? 
No, we're right. away. Not for the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've we would just let you go. I mean, that. if it comes back to Plainmore, we might have a better chance of beating them. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll come back to Plainmore later, 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 later in the, in the season. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's, uh, that is all that's all I can say about Taunton I don't I don't know I just feel I like feel the last like it's the thing we say a lot this season is like well I don't know much about them honestly but we should probably beat them yeah well that's it's like a prelude to Avery 2 Torquay 1 or something uh, well it's like the last time we in this league that we thought that and then we'd turn up in these games and beat them 4-0 yeah and that's how it was it's not how it is anymore so I feel like we should be, division. Yeah. be more knowledgeable of that I mean, I guess it's a, it's a testament to the strength of the pyramid that these teams aren't rubbish. Well, I mean, some of them are rubbish, but, you know, it's good that it's more competitive league. It just sucks when you're a big team in the division and you'd like it to be easy to just show up every week and take three points. Mm. And it hasn't happened. Um, I don't think it helps that there's two of us in this division this season either. Like last time we were here, we were yeah, very much the big dog. And then Woking came from almost nowhere. Yeah. Very true. Okay. Yeah, like run out of football now. <laughs> um, yeah, does uh, anybody have any other business? Um, dramatic pause. No. Um, I was going to say if you if we we're going to talk about Johnson at any point that. There was one fan who was proper giving it to him at the game uh, and don't oh, get thrown. Yeah. Um, no idea what it was about. I wasn't in earshot of it, but I we... saw some suggestion on Yellow's ass book, um, fountain of all completely factual knowledge, uh, that he was giving aggro to someone who had not been quiet during the minute silence. Right, uh, okay. I obviously don't know if that was true. The conversation underneath the original comments suggested that actually it was the wrong person and it was a mistaken identity issue. I don't, I don't really know. Theo Bristow's um, driver. Sorry. Was it Theo Bristow's driver? <laughs> <laughs> it's never not going to be funny. I'm so angry I didn't see it. <laughs> Sorry, Simon. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I don't really know. Um, but I mean, all the accounts I've heard was that whatever disgruntlement was going on, it lasted for a while. Yeah, that is right. It was basically the, the whole of the, the second half. Um, and the fan got sort of dragged away at one point and then came back and then was eventually ejected, I think, and then maybe came back in again. But it it did go on for some time and it was quite obvious that it was happening. Um, and if it was anything to do with somebody who shouted out during the, the two minute silence, I, that to me felt like it was further away than where Johnson was stood. So I'd be very surprised if he yeah. knew who it was. Um, I didn't recognize the fan. He might be a regular talkie away day fan, but I didn't, didn't recognize him. Um, but it does show that even, I think we were one nil up at this point as well. And, Obviously, winning a game doesn't doesn't mean that everything else in the background is forgotten, but there's a time and a place to really have a go at yeah have a go at him. And when you're winning away from home and looking quite comfortable at this point, I, I admit, like I said, we weren't great in the first half, but 
it does seem quite strange to be that kind of abusive to him to mm. for Johnson to turn around at least two or three times to have to talk to him in security have to come over to remove him I mean it's and it's very obvious at a ground at this level because there's because it's so easy to get get that close to the to you the have an immediate speed you don't get I mm. mean even play more you're you know 10 feet above them right I mean you can hear if you heard abuse of him I'm sure but um the 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 proximity to the players and the and the managers at this level is actually something that's not terrible. I kind of like it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, yeah, Johnson's I'm... not going anywhere. Is he to blame for this current issue? He's culpable in part, and I know we said this in previous podcasts. Um, I think most of the fans agree that it's not even mostly his fault. Um, that the rot has begun at a far higher place with a nicer office um but he is the public facing member of the club um the owner isn't seen uh george osborne has been at games and has been engaged with fans whether or not you like the level of engagement or the type of engagement he's been available but johnson's there every single game he's the guy doing the press conferences within the echoey dressing rooms being called gaffer i don't know why he's gaffer um, and you know, he is always so going to be someone else as well. It like makes my skin crawl. Stop it, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it, it, it's just always going to be the focus of, of fans' frustrations. And mm. I mean, he'll know that he's been at bigger clubs where they're angrier people, I'm sure. Um, I personally think it's a little bit self defeating. Um, but I think it's everyone's right to protest as long as they're doing it in a somewhat respectful manner, yeah. Um, and you know, it does go too far at times. And I do understand again, you know, you can get into a bigger conversation about what the point of being that angry about stuff. Is it healthy for you long term? Probably not. Um, but it's not my job to police how other people feel. No. Um no. And you have actually just reminded me um that we recorded last shortly before the Tust meeting and subsequent statement from the club. So we haven't actually addressed that in a podcast. Appreciate it was a little while ago now, but if anyone wants to say anything about that, now's your time, I guess. Um yeah, it was crap. Yeah. It was it was a complete overreaction to the issues that have been discussed in the Tust meeting. Obviously I wasn't there. Um but you know there were some discussions about what a protest might look like if it came to that. And the the statement that the club put out um, was a, a massive overreaction and it highlights, <laughs> it bring you know, it's kind of the Streisand effect on the internet. If you start complaining about something, more people know about it. So more people probably know about that statement than knew about the trust forum in the first place. There aren't that many people in the trust. I think they said they're getting towards 500, but you can guarantee more than 500 people found out about it through the club statement and a couple of the press outlets picked up upon it. Um, and they would have been better off just to say nothing. Or if there was a genuine concern, reach out to the to Tust and say, please don't do anything stupid. Um, so I don't know who's in charge of their communication or their public relations. Um, I'm guessing it's not anybody who's very good at it um, because it was a gross overreaction and they should have just kept quiet. Yeah, and I think as well the the fact that it came out so quickly after the ending of the meeting, it was even more apparent that they'd obviously had somebody 
in the meeting. Yes. And, and the the tone in which it came out and the timing of it felt very much like, no, we're like kind of trying to bully the trust, wasn't it? Really, that's how it that's how it came across to try and scare scare any sort of um, any sort of behavior against the club. Yeah. Just and it's, try it's so unnecessary yeah. because uh, again, you don't want to go down a rubber hole of stuff that we've said before, but. How much easier would it be to just engage with the trust, even if you don't think that they're a genuinely viable organization? They um, were they were asked in the footage that was floating around after the Hampton game, they were asked directly whether or not they would attend the trust meeting, and they were told, um, no, that's been arranged by the trust, it's nothing to do with us. They clearly then attended anyway, in some capacity or another. And you think like you were there. Why not just represent yourselves? Yeah. I mean, I think, first off, you know, they, they, they've got a bunch. I think they had 70 more sign-ups following that meeting. I hope that number is increased. I would prefer it to be twice as much. I think there have to be a thousand fans of Talker United who have a big interest in helping the club. Um, I don't know why that number is the number that it is. Um, I know the Tusk are working very hard to improve that. It's very much a it can be tough to get people interested, especially if there is a financial aspect to it. I do understand that. Um, but keeping the fans on side is going to be something that whoever ends up owning the club long-term will absolutely want to do. If I walked into that club day one, I'm having a call. I'm having a meeting with Tuss. I'm saying, look, I want you to like me. I want to work <laughs> with you. That will buy you a year's goodwill. I mean, it's just good PR. <laughs> and I'm not a communications guy. I don't really yeah. know. You know, I'm not in that field of expertise. Um, some of us on the pod are, um, Dixon. Um, but it doesn't seem like rocket science to just not be dicks. No, that for me, it's a conversation I've had elsewhere. Um, but that for me is one of the worst things about the decline of the club at the moment, that there are people who care about this club who would, through the love for the club, because of the relationships they have, you know, with the people that they get to see at the football or the people that they used to attend the football with would go above and beyond for. And some of those people have have done that and also have been, um, you know, involved in many, many other ways. And some of them are actually like people who are involved in our podcast. And all of this horrible, nasty, depressing narrative that comes out of the club has really ostracized some of those people. And, and that, I think, is the worst thing because there are things wrong with Playmore that you could get volunteers to help with. For example, a lick of paint. And I'm not saying that we would all, you know, rock up with our paintbrushes and our aprons, but if we felt like we were a bit more respected, then they get much more out of their fan base for nothing as well. Um, and, and we know, you know, from conversations that we've had offline that, that people are really, really fed up with it all. It's just, it's so lacklustre. Yeah, um, I mean... Even at a purely mercenary point of view, if you're the owner, you can get free stuff. You can get free labor. If you said, hey, guys, and you were in a you had a friendly relationship with the trust. If you said, you know what, we could really use some help painting the inside, you know, down by the snack bar on the pop side is looking a bit grotty. We could do some help painting it. Anyone want to come and help? You get half a dozen people show up and you get them for free. All you'd probably have to do is keep them supplied in tea and coffee. Exactly. And 
I, I, I think it's very short-sighted of the ownership to not at least pretend to give a shit mm-hmm. about people who are investing in the club. And have been invested in the club. And I've been watching the club for 30 years. And I'm nowhere near the longest serving prisoner. You know, I should be out parole by now, really. Um, <laughs> you know, there are people who've been watching the club for 60, 70 years. And to basically tell people, if not through words, but through action, that that means nothing. I think that's hugely disrespectful. Um, and I would hope that the ownership will change. I don't think it's too late for them to change. The problem is I don't think they have any interest to do so. Um, and that's why ultimately I think we'll be looking for a new owner. I don't know whether we'll be looking for a new club. That could be the end, you know, the the the, the goal of this ownership team. Um, but anyway, what I'm trying to say is join the trust. Um, if you want to help improve the trust, I'm sure there are things that you can do. Um, but you can't really put any pressure on the club as an individual. Um, you know, the more we have in there, the more of a voice that we can have, even if it's only a voice in the local press rather than in the boardroom. So join the trust. Yeah. And the the one last plea I would like to add on the back of it, in case the club have spies listening to our podcast like they do infiltrating trust meetings, um, is please, for the love of God, stop disengaging with fans and start like instead of rocking up to meetings that you were invited to that you could have had a say in and telling everyone you're not going to and then bitching about it afterwards could you could you work on like the bare minimum of your comms in a day-to-day capacity um yesterday you might have noticed that they put up on the news feed about dad pad a group for new dads dads to be and they yeah. had a meeting um at boots and laces and they put the announcement up about how they'd had the meeting after the meeting <laughs> yeah that's i mean what, what are you doing instead of instead of like being aggressive with your fan base could you not just have told them that you were i know they're two separate things but you know what i mean instead of being all cloak and dagger about attending meetings that you were invited to could you put a better focus on on trying to let people know about the good things that you're doing? Because that's probably a good thing. People might maybe, want to go. You know, maybe spend a time, you know, use one of the tweets that you were going to plug the poppy auction for the 75th time to do some of the things that people not actually care about, because that's not fair, but, you know, things that are more immediately of concern to a community. Yeah. The poppy auction is a very worthy cause. It, it's great. And I'm glad that they're raising money for it, but it doesn't need to be something that you hear about twice a week for uh-huh. the next five weeks. Um, there are, you know, we've seen causes that have been banging their heads against the walls in the past. We had her game too. We had Andy's man club that didn't seem to get support. Her. And those are just the two that I can think of in the 10 seconds I was talking. I'm sure there are other community groups that would like to be supported by the club and it would cost the club if not nothing then very little you know they could give them a room of boots and laces for an hour um but that kind of goodwill is how you build a community club and the ownership just don't appear to want to do that and that's what i think is the real shame of it i could handle the team not being very good but you have to it's it's talk united it's not liverpool you expect the team to not be good but you want the club to at least pretend to care about its constituents. And that hasn't been the case for 
a long time. And over the course of the last probably, you know, 30 years, there have been several owners who have not cared. And it's not just Clark Osborne. I mean, there have been other owners who haven't cared about the club. Um, and I think it's come to something when I look back on the time of Mike Bateson with a little bit of nostalgia and like, oh, you know, he was a, he was a bit crazy, but he was, yeah, he was fun. And he did genuinely seem to care about the club. That's all you want. And that's why the best owners in, in the lower leagues now are the ones who care. You know, you've got the guy at Grimsby, you've got even the guy at Yeovil, who is a complete bellend, let's be honest. Like he at least is making an effort to engage. Um, there's the one at um, Old, you know, who bought Oldham last season. There are decent owners and you don't need to be an absolute billionaire to support the club in a way that it deserves to be supported. And I think I've probably spoken way too long now, P. So I should probably not say anything else about it. <laughs> I think I think it's just cathartic at this stage, isn't it? We're all very disgruntled and and so desperate for the club to just engage with us. Please love us because <laughs> despite everything, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people have never been gruntled, it has to be said. So you can't help that. But <laughs> it is, it, it is depressing to feel that there's no common goal um and that's all you know any kind of enterprise whether it's a you know if you're a billion dollar business or you're a group of people who play soccer soccer i said soccer oh my god on a tuesday night you have to feel like you want the same things out of it otherwise it's just not going to work and and right now i don't think anyone has that sense about talking united yeah right it kind of feels a bit of a sad note to finish a podcast on. Does anyone you have a it, or something? Or... We were ready to go, and you were like, "Ah, what about the what about the statement after the Tusk meeting?" And we were like, "Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> well, well, I just tried to forget about that, and I had yeah. to bring it all up again. Sorry, that's all right. It's fine. It'll, it'll <laughs> all be all right in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's it. As lots of people say, some some more threatening than others. Some was a slightly more kind gesture. Yeah we will be here this club will be here in some capacity but the fans will be here long after this particular ownership has gone the storm will pass right okay um thanks i guess i guess we'll be back sometime next week so yeah thank you very much chris thank you and thank you very much tom thank you very much